So this week's parsha is Parshas Bamidbar, and it's also uh, going to be Shavuos and Mitzvah Hashem this coming week. And there's an exact reason for this not coincidence that Parshas Bamidbar comes the week of Shavuos. The halachic reason for this is because there's a Tysus in Megillah on Daflam and Aleph and Bez that Tysus says that we arrange that Bamidbar should fall before Shavuos because we don't want that last week's parsha, which was Bechukaisai, which has the Teichacha in it, should abut the Chag of Atzeres. We want Shavuos to have a nice buffer uh, between it and the Teichacha. We don't want to in any way combine the terrible psukim of the, uh, the Teichacha of Parshas Bechukaisai together with Atzeres. So we always make sure that the calendar will fall in such a way or that we organize the parshias in such a way that there is always Bamidbar between Bechukaisai and Shavuos. But Rav Meisha Feinstein, he writes a different reason, more of a Hashkafic reason, if you will, about what to take, what's the takeaway from the fact that we lane Parshas Bamidbar in advance of Shavuos. It's not, according to him, merely a buffer, merely a, uh, a machitza separating Parshas Bechukaisai and Shavuos, but rather what it is, is a, um, it's a Musr Shmuz. Because a lot of times, says Rav Meisha, and I think many of us can relate to this, a person says to himself, listen, says, Tyre I know is a wonderful thing, it's very important to learn Tyre, it's a big mitzvah, but nothing is going to ever amount from me in terms of greatness in learning. People that are, uh, you know, the big Tamil Chachamim, the big Iluyim, the people that went to this and this high school or grew up in this type of family or, uh, or have this type of IQ or this type of brain, or this photographic memory, they're people that I get, they're able to really steig and really be matzliach and learning there's a bright future ahead of them. But for me, what am I, miyani, umani, what am I, that I should have any stake, that I should have any claim to Tyra, that I should become great in Tyra, that I should be a Gadolba Tyra, that I should be a Mitzrayan in Tyra. It's not me, that's the other guy. That's the, the guy sitting next to me in Shear, but that's not me. I'm just irrelevant. As far as the Tyra is concerned, nothing really connects me to the Tyra. I'm not going to be able to attain greatness in learning. So maybe it's better for me to utilize my time in, a, in, a, in ways that are different. Maybe I should... Uh, uh, you know, put all my time and effort into my career, my time and effort into my uh, the things that I'm interested in, my hobbies, uh, my talents, music, art. Maybe I should uh, play video games all day. I'm good at those things. Those are things that I happen to be very good at. I'm not good at learning. Learning is not for me. I'm not, there's nothing between me and learning that's really solid. And Ramesha says that that's a fallacy. 
that should be driven from a person's mind because it's very, very not true. And he says that that's the reason why we lane Parshas Bamidbar in advance of Shavuos. Because Bamidbar teaches us that we're supposed to take a census in Klal Yisrael. That every single person is supposed to give a machzah shekel to the, to the way, to count the minion of Klal Yisrael. Which means that it doesn't matter, my machzah shekel and Reb Chaim Kanievsky's machzah shekel and Reb Shmuel Kamenetsky's machzah shekel, we're all machzah shekel. We all give a machzah shekel to the, uh, to the Lishka. We all give our personal census to the, Mish- to the Mishkan and to the Rabbi Shalom so that we should be counted as members of Klal Yisrael. The Moen HaKadosh wants to know an exact count. We're all accountable. What you learn from that, says Ramesha, is that we're all pretty much equal in the Rabbi Shalom's eyes. We all are relevant. We all count. Nobody should say, I am irrelevant to the Rabbi Nishlam, or I am irrelevant to Klal Yisrael, or I am irrelevant to the Torah Kedesha, because I'm a little guy, I'm nothing, I'm a speck of dust, I'm, I'm just, uh, just nothing. The Parsha of Amidbar teaches us that every single person counts, matters, and has a great contribution to make to not only Klal Yisrael as a whole, but to the Torah itself. And so when we go into Shavuot, says Ramesha, as we are advancing, we're already within, we're Samach Venira Tatsaris, we're almost there, we're almost at the foot of Harsinai to Makabal the Torah, each and every one of us. What we're supposed to be thinking now is, I am relevant to the Torah. I have a great contribution to make to the Torah that nobody else has ever made or nobody else will make. Me, I'm special vis-a-vis the Torah. The Torah loves me, I love the Torah, and I have something unique. I have a different approach, I have a different creativity, I have a different way of looking at things, and I can add beautiful tagin to the ISIS of the Torah. I can put those crowns on the letters of the Sefer Torah in my own unique way. That's Ramesh's Yisait in this week's parasha, why Bamidbar is the necessary, the necessary prerequisite to Kabbalah Satara because it teaches us that there's a census and every single person counts in the census and we count equally. So that means that, obviously, I'm not going to be Ramesh Feinstein in learning. That's not going to happen. We could be realistic about that. But at the same time, I have something that maybe Ramesha didn't have. I have my own unique chilek in Tyra. I have my own unique chilek in Tyra. And because of that, I am very special. And I go into Shavuos understanding that, that I have a personal relationship with Tyra that nobody else has. And if you don't believe that this is true, you should know that it's something that we say every single day in Davenin. We say, V'sein chalkeinu b'sayrasecha. At the end of Rabbi Shmuel Aymer, we say, Yiratin she'yibane b'samigmeh, V'sein chalkeinu b'sayrasecha. HaKadosh Baruch should give me my chalak in Tyra. What does that mean, my chalak in Tyra? What it means is that every single Yid has their own unique, special, 
portion in Torah that nobody else has. In case you're ever wondering, how is it possible for people in 2020 to publish Sarim with Chidushim in it? What, you're telling me that these Chidushim are things that the Ramban didn't think of, and the Rambam didn't think of, and the Rashba didn't think of, and Rukiv Eger didn't think of, and, and uh, the Ketais didn't think of, the Nesivas didn't think of, the Meshachachma didn't think of, or Shamsh Rufal Hirsch didn't think of, Svasem. But all of a sudden, 2020 comes around, and I thought of something that nobody else thought of. How ridiculous is that? Does that make sense to you? That people could actually put out svarim that say im chidushim ve'aris. Well, chidushim and aris. If they're chidushim, they're probably not true. Either you were mechavin to other people, which is pretty good, also. But but it, it's been said already, or it's utter nonsense because there's there, there's been thousands and tens of thousands and millions of tamid chachamim before me that they didn't think of that if it's a real chidush. And how is that? How does that make sense? How could I think of something that, that Ga'inim didn't think of, that Rishainim didn't think of, that Achreinim didn't? It's not possible. But the truth is that it is very possible because each and every person has their own Chelek in Tyra. We all have our own portion in Tyra, and therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me my own unique perspective, my own way of looking at things, my own angle, and... Those are things that no one else had. Rabbi Kivager had his chelik in Taira, the Meshachachm had his, and I'm not at all comparing ourselves to them. These are, you know, cosmic giants that we can't compare ourselves to, but on a certain level, we can, because we are each granted a unique chelik in Taira, our own special portion in Taira. And just like we have our own name, we have our own faces. We have our own uh, unique style. We have our own way of looking at things in life. We also have our own unique Chidushet Taira that are ours. And if you're wondering, okay, great, where are they? That's your job. You have to spend time and explore and think and use your head to ponder questions that are posed. What I, I've, I just told somebody the other day that a great way of learning is Let's say Tysus, you're learning Tysus, and there's a Kasha in Tysus. Tysus says, Vitema. Vitema Lari. Okay, so what do you do? You ask the question, you hopefully hop the question, and then you go to the answer, right? So, but what real Tamini Chacham do is they cover the answer. You think about it a little bit. Tysus is asking a Kasha. He's not posing the Kasha so that he should have a, a, a soliloquy you know, with, him, with, with, with himself. He's posing it to you and me. When he's asking a kasha, it's a kasha that he's asking. The tema is he's asking you and me, what do you think about this? Now, he's going to come up with his own solutions, maybe. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes even if he doesn't, you'll find Rishainim that do and, and Achreinim that try to answer things. But you're no different than anybody else. And you can think of things, and, and sometimes it works backwards. Sometimes they say stories about Rav Gifter, now, Rav Gifter used to, he had a Chavrusa once, and they were learning, I think it was Rav Kiveger, or Ktsais, and, and they had a Teretz to Rav Kiveger's Kasha. And Rav Kiveger didn't give that Teretz to the Kasha. So they spent about two whole days 
learning up the sugya again to figure out how they learned the sugya wrong because if it was if this kasha is really uh, it, it, because if Rabbi is asking this kasha and he didn't give that teretz, obviously our teretz is wrong. So we have to re-understand the whole sugya in through the eyes of Rabbi Kivager because otherwise because we probably learned it wrong. Now I know that's a, a Misa lister. I just told you a story that sort of undermines what I'm saying, but. The point is that when you learn a kasha, whether it's a taisa's kasha, whether it's a, uh, some, something that on uh, chumash, uh, you're going to be maver sedra, and you'll see a kasha of the Ramban, or you'll see a kasha of the, of, uh, the Svasemis, or the Hamikdava, or something, before you jump to the Teretz and see what he says, cover it up. And think, use your brain. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave each and, of, each and every one of us a brain, to process. Now, we might not have the ideas to answer everything, and if it's a technical question and we're not a, a Bucky in, uh, you know, in Kutchim or, or Tyrus or whatever, so then obviously we might not be able to answer everything, but if it's, let's say, just a, a, a question, a Ha'ara, there's nothing wrong with ourselves thinking, maybe pacing around our backyard a little bit, and until we think of our own tarots, that's, and then you know what you do? You take a, a little notebook. And you write down the kasha, and you write down what you think is a, is a pshat, and then come come back to it next year, next parshas vamidbar you'll come back to it, or next time you're learning this masechta you'll come back to it, and you'll see whether or not you think it still holds water. You might have matured, and now that that teretz is maybe a little beneath your level, or maybe you'll say, wow, that's that's pretty good teretz. But slowly, but what you're doing is you're developing your own chelik in Tyra. You're bringing your Chidushe Taira to light because you have Chidushe Taira. Believe it or not, you have Chidushe Taira that the whole world never had. Until you came and darshaned it, the Rabbani Shalom was holding all of that Taira back. He was like almost suppressing those Chidushim so that you can come up with that Chidush. Where nobody else was able to have access to that because you had the specific key to this door, to this chamber of Chidushe Taira that's only yours. You have you have vast amount of Tyra to, to develop, to understand, to learn, and to be creative with. You and only you. And this is something that, it's a little frightening in a way, because it's sort of, you know, it, it sets the, the a responsibility on us to, to really delve into it, because we're going to be held accountable for that if we're not developing and, and creating in Tyra. But I think it's also very inspirational because it shows that you have a chilek, you have you have access to Tyra that nobody else in the world has. And that's a beautiful thing. It means that, like the Gemara says, that that it becomes Tyra delay, it becomes your own private Tyra. There's public Tyra, that's the Tyra on the bookshelves that you go into the Svarim store or the, or the local base medrash. But then there's a personal Tyra that has your stamp on it. No one else has that access except for you. And don't ever belittle yourself. This is what Ramesh is telling us. Don't think he's talking to the next guy on the screen. It's not me that he's talking to. He's probably looking at, at the guy in this corner, that corner of the screen. It's, I'm talking to each and every one of you, and I'm talking to myself. We each have abilities beyond our comprehension of how great our minds, our neshamas, our taira is, we have those abilities. The problem is that we don't unlock the door. We just 
keep it locked, assume that we don't have anything, but the emiss is that we do. There's a letter that was written, written by the Chavetz Chaim to Rabbi Avram Elia Kaplan. Rabbi Avram Elia Kaplan, I, I, I don't write biographies. I don't work on, you know, I don't have the patience to write whole biographies, and I'm not a biographer. But if I was writing a biography about a Godel, there were two Godelim that I would write about. The first one is the Altar from Slabotka. I don't know why anyone... Uh, there might be like an old biography written about him, but he's a person who so deserves a real biography because he was such a, uh, an important figure in Jewish history, and uh, as we've discussed many, many times, but I don't know, for some reason nobody's ever written a biography about him. But it's a... Oh, that's right. Oh, thank you, man. There's actually three G'daylam that I'd want to write a biography about, besides for mayor. Um... Uh, the uh, Rabbi Fayim Zalman Margolis, that's right, it was also fascinating, Tyra Gedul Makamechad, who was like the the Jeff Bezos, and and the Rav Aaron Kotler of Izdar, he had everything going for him, so it was a very, very unique uh, personality. Uh, the Altavan Sabotka and Rabbi Avram Elia Kaplan. Rabbi Avram Elia Kaplan was a genius of geniuses. He was a Talmud of the Altavan Sabotka, very, very close to him. He writes... Uh, he kept a diary, which is always a, a very interesting thing, and we have a lot of the diary entries. And he was extremely close to, with the Alta. The Alta really molded him into the great personality that he was. Later on, he became the Rosh Hashiva in the Rabbiner Seminar in Berlin, uh, which was a very prestigious yeshiva in Berlin. Uh, it was also led by the Sri Deish, famous Sri Deish. But the uh, that was the that was the seminar in which Rav Elchanan Wasserman came and gave a drasha in it, famous drasha about how there's no Yerushalayim in Germany, and as a result of that, anything could happen here. Rak ein varguni that you can even become a murderer when you know with all the sophistication that Germany has. He was, this is Rav Elchanan Wasserman going in to the lion's den, into Germany, into Berlin, into the yeshiva there, and telling them years before the Holocaust that there's no Yerushalayim here. So with all of the, all of the etiquette and all the sciences and all the, the culture that Germans were so famous for, it's really meaningless because these people could flip into barbarians at any given moment. And it created a very big tumult in the yeshiva because a lot of people felt it wasn't appropriate. You know, this is our home country, our host country, and Ruchan is coming here and saying some, you know, they didn't realize that it was Divrei Nevoah. And, uh, and, and exactly what Ruchan said could happen did happen, unfortunately. But the Rashiva of this seminary in Berlin, this, this yeshiva in Berlin, was Rabbi Avraham Elia Kaplan. He was uh, a poetic soul as well. He wrote poetry, very beautiful poetry, and we have uh, there's a famous song, I don't know if anyone's ever heard it, it's called Shaka Chama. It's a pretty famous, you might recognize it if I would play it for you, but the, the words to that, to, that, um, to that song, the lyrics were written by uh, none other than Rabbi Ramalia Kaplan, beautiful, beautiful soul that he had, and the, the poetry that he composed was sublime. 
In any event, he wrote a letter. He was Nifter very young, by the way. He was Nifter, I think he was 33 years old. So all that I just told you that he accomplished was in, within the first 33 years of his life. And I think his father before him also may have been Nifter when he was 33 years old. The Chavetz Chaim knew his father, and Rav Ram Elia wrote a letter to the Chavetz Chaim, and then the Chavetz Chaim wrote him back a beautiful letter. Uh, if anyone wants to see it, it's in Great Jewish Letters as well, um, but translated. But this is, this is the Hebrew, what, he, uh, what the Chavetz Chaim wrote back. I'm going to read to you a few lines of it. Iker Yeridosai Ba'olam Hazeh the main point of a person coming down to this world, who, bishvil, lahasig, chelkai batayra. Why do we come down to this world? What's our, what are we doing here? So he says the main thing that a person is doing in this world, why the Rabbi Nishlam sent him down to this world, is in order to gain, in order to chap, his own chelak entire, exactly what we're talking about until now today. This is the Chavetz Chaim talking. Kimaimer, Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai. There's a mission in Abbas and Paragimel. Im lamadita Taira Harbe. If you learned a lot of Taira in your life, al tachzik taiva Don't pat yourself on the back and say, boy, I'm, I'm amazing. Kilakach neitzarta. Because that's why you were born. This is an extra credit. The reason why we're born is to learn Taira. And to learn a lot of Taira and to create in Taira. Ube emes, he says, Every person is obligated, it's not extra credit, it's an obligation on every person to toil in Tyra to the degree that he can. That, to the degree that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave. I mean, we're not all geniuses. We're not all, we don't always cop every line of Gemara clearly, every Rashi, every Taisa, every Rishon, every Akron. It takes some of us, a short amount of time to do that. It takes some of us a very long amount of time. It doesn't matter. You don't, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't prefer the, the, the genius over the person that works harder. It might be Fakert. It might be HaKadosh Baruch Hu prefers the guy that has to actually schwitz over things and break his head over things more than the guy that everything comes easy to. That's also a fallacy, that, like one of the Eilam Hafuch things about life, that we think that the people that are naturally born geniuses, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves them, or the teachers love them, or the, the Rebbe loves them, and, and, and the rest of us, you know, can go fly a kite. It's the, it's the opposite. Or it should be the opposite. That the people that really, you know, that put the most effort in, like on a normal report card, people, the parents look at the grade, and the effort, who cares? The effort is just like, you know, great, you got a, an A for effort, big deal, but you got a 63 on your, on your you know, on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the test. So what's it worth, the effort? In HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world of report cards, it's not the grade that you got, it's the effort that you put in. You might have gotten a 63, but if you got an A for effort, then you got, an, you got 100. And the other guy who got a, a D for effort but got 100, he got a C. He got a C or D on his report card because who cares? Well, it's, it's impressive that I gave you a, a brilliant mind and you hardly used it. Somebody that has a degree of talent and could be a, a true gadol, and he's lazy, he's going to have to answer a 
about that in front of God someday. The Kulanu Mavakshim, we all ask in Davening, the Sein Chalkenu Besarasacha. Give me a, give me my personal Chalak in Tyra. Give me my personal Chalak in Tyra. Ki Isa Bekama Svarma Kadashim Mufrapazarakoshi quotes a Zayar, Kimemaimed Harsinai at Matan Tyra that we're gonna have in Mitzashem this Thursday night. Shayukal Hanishamis all the neshamas of Klai Yisrael were present. Nasan echad. gave every single person chelkai b'atayra, his own chelak in Taira. V'chal echad And every single person can attain that greatness in Taira, his own chelak in Taira. Ach With one condition. How do you unlock? What's the key to unlocking your chelik and taira? You know what the key to getting that is? You have to be miyage over it. It's not going to come naturally. You can't expect to like one day wake up and find a you know your a, a, a huge stack of chidushe taira that you wrote. It's not going to happen. Every chidushe, every chidush that you write comes with a lot of yagia. We know that you know whoever of you may have like had to write a chabura once in your life or many times in your life. It's the most geshmaka thing in the world. You're given an assignment. You're supposed to give a shir or a chabura to a group of peers on uh, whatever, mitzvah v'abeiro, on that sugya. So what do you do? You start learning the Gemara in Lulav uh, Gazel, and then you, uh, you look at the Rishayinim, you look at the Achrayim, you look at the Raid, and then you have a question, you have, you're, you're, you're working on building a whole binyan. It's the most beautiful time in the world in a Bachar's life or in an Avrich's life when they're busy, deep in the sugya of something and trying to learn, trying to be mechadish. Nothing more beautiful than that. But that's amelos. It takes a lot of work. It takes shvitz. It takes, takes research. And it takes time. And a lot of pacing. And a lot of thinking. And a lot of uh, havaminas. And then rejecting those havaminas. And until you come to the MS, and when you come to that MS, it's a simcha. You should make a, a big kiddish when you do that, and you feel so good about yourself, but it's not easy. When you see people that write, that put out svarim, like with, with dozens and dozens of, uh, of chidushim on sugis and shas, it didn't come easy to them. Everything that they wrote, every line was, was a shvitz, but that's how they were able to, unre- un, un, to reveal their chilek and taira. And the Chavetz Chaim says, if we don't do this, we're going to have to give a din v'cheshmen. I Meaning, if you don't have a brain in your head, your mamish can't do anything, then obviously you're potter. But we have brains in our heads. Every person in Lander College is able, you know, to, to multitask and to do so many other things, to go for science and labs and chemistry and, and orgo and, and accounting and physics and all this stuff is, takes a brain, right? You can't do that if you don't have a brain. So obviously we do have a brain. LMI, we're not applying ourselves to Tyra. Why are we not doing that? Because maybe we feel that we're just not good at it, or it's not, it doesn't maybe, it's not worth the effort, because for what? But if I told you that you have a tremendous amount of Tyra, personal Tyra, personal Chidushim that await you, and the Rabbi Shalom and all the Pamalya Shalmala, all of his Malachim, are all waiting for your chidushim to come to the world, and you're, like, suppressing it, wouldn't you feel like 
you don't want to do that anymore, that you want to actually try to bring that out to the world, that when you, you should at least say, I, I, I really revealed a lot of the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu entrusted with me at, at Har Sinai, I revealed it. I came up with Chidushim. It might not have been all, you know, who knows what. It doesn't have to be Rebbe How many Rebbe are there in history? But for us, every person on their own level, whether it's a Chidush in Davening, whether it's a Chidush in, in, in Bikiyas, maybe you're learning Dafyayim and you have some Aras along the way, you write them down. You're being Mabrisej or Chumash with Rashi, and Rashi, you, have a, you see people are asking on Rashi, or you don't understand the Rashi, or you found the Stira on Rashi. Write it down and think about it and come up with a nice answer. And if you do that, besides for feeling very good about yourself, you're also, your Neshama is going to be gleaming because it's finally doing what its purpose in life is. This is what the Chavetz Chaim says. Chavetz Chaim says, and I'll read it again. He says, Iker That's all it is. You came down to this world in order to learn Taira, but more than just learning Taira to get your own personal chilek in Taira fulfilled. And that doesn't mean just how much Taira you're learning, it means the Taira that's being created by you. You know, the Mishnah Berurah brings down, I think, in the Bir HaLacha, that every Shabbos, the Neshami Yisera is supposed to be learning and being Mechadish. Because you have a Neshami Yisera on Shabbos, there's like an extra expectation on a person to really be able to spend time on Shabbos being Miyagaya and Taira. And then when the Neshami Yisera leaves the body on Matzai Shabbos and goes up to heaven... In Shemayim, they ask the Neshami Yisrael, "No, what Chiddush were you Mechadish this Shabbos?" So, what are we going to tell them? I was Mechadish uh, a new recipe in Sholent. I was Mechadish uh, something I saw, you know, in the Jewish press and a bigazunt, like a a joke or a, you know or an article about uh, about Corona. That's what we're going to tell them. What we have to be able to answer for these things every Shabbos and every and, and at the end of our life also we have to pr- be productive in Tyra. And this is very very important. I want to tell you a story that I probably you might have heard from me in the past, but I don't care. It's it's good to repeat a million times. There is. Um, we had a bacher in yeshiva many 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 years ago. One of the early years of yeshiva going back maybe 12, 13, 14 years ago. Maybe even more, who knows, time is flying. But he came into Yeshiva as a wonderful boy, very wonderful boy. Um, he was uh, Baal Tshuva. Family is very nice, but I don't, I don't think that they were religious. Um, and and he basically went to, uh, he went to uh, a Baal Tshuva Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and he was part of NCSY, and he was, uh, and he came to yeshiva, but he was still very, very, I would say, uh, at a beginner level, or a little bit, maybe a little bit above, but very, very, very beginner. Everyone that I'm seeing on the screen is much better than was much better is much better today than he was when he came into yeshiva. Very, very basic. And, but a wonderful boy, he came to everything, he was such a mavakish, like everything that I personally gave, he was sitting front row center, and he was lapping everything up, and he would, just like a dream Talmud, like no, he was just a perfect Talmud, 
he came to every every shear that was given, every shear clully that was given. He was he wasn't you know he was learning every every seder he was here, and he was just like like a real mavakish, just like thirsty to drink and drink and drink. But he was you know he was uh, he's, uh, you know he still had a, a long way to go in learning. But he was steiging and he was developing. But he still wasn't uh, who knows what. And and then he got married. He moved to Eretz Yisrael. And he joined the Kail in Eretz Yisrael. And that's sort of the last I heard from him. I didn't really, you know, keep in touch. He was like, you know, he's in Eretz Yisrael and I was here. And, and uh, yeah, life happens. You know, he, is, he had a family, he had children, Baruch Hashem, and everything was, uh, everything was going well. And then I, uh, I got a letter, a package actually, in the mail. And I wish, if I was in Yeshiva on the base manager, I would have brought it to show you, but it, I have a safer, it's about this size, okay, it was about, it wasn't the safer exactly, but it was about this size, a nice thick safer, and it was in a package, and, and then I opened it up, and, uh, and it has a whole nice inscription to me, you know, telling me all the things I like to hear, and then, uh, and I said, so sweet of him, like, you know, it's from this boy, it's so nice that he thought to send me a safer, I don't know what the occasion was, and I don't know what the safer's about, but it was very sweet of him to write me a beer, you know, Hakar Satayv. And then I open up to the title page. It's called in Hebrew, we call it a Sharblat. It's the, the title page of a, of a Sefer. And it's a Sefer on uh, Isr Beheter, on all the hard, you know, very hard sugyas of uh, Kashrus and Taruvas and uh, Malicha and Shechita and Trefas and everything. Like what you need to basically know for Smicha but very bi'ion and with a lot of marmakaimas and chidushim and, and with beautiful askamas. And who wrote the Sefer? He wrote the Sefer. This boy that came to Yeshiva within, you know, I, I, had, I had stuff in my refrigerator that was older than the amount of years that he, that he was in Yeshiva for. He was like, you know, and within a few years, within a few short years, between five to seven years from the time that he came to Yeshiva and he hardly knew which side Rashi was on and which side Taisal was on the Gemara. That's how maybe he started. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but not by too much. And then he got married two years later, moved to Israel, and he wrote, he wrote a Sefer. This wasn't a, a joke book. It wasn't a very simple, you know, sometimes people put out Tzvarim and it's like, you know, nice, you know, but it's just uh, like a vanity press type of Sefer. It's a real Sefer. He had Haskamas from the G'dayli Yerushalayim. He had Haskamas from G'dayli Yerushalayim to, in, with titles like Arav Gain. Within a few years, Rabbi Say. This isn't a lifetime endeavor, what we're talking about today. If you think it's going to take you 80 years, you're going to say, I don't have 80 years. I'm telling you that whatever your age is, X plus 5, you could put out Chidushet Taira. You could put out your own Svarim that are Svarim Chashuvim. You're not worse than he is. I promise. If I told you that, you know, that a superstar came in and he's like, okay, I can't, I can't relate. But this guy's Machayev, all of us. He's Mechaev, all of us, because I'm telling you, everyone that I see on the screen, I wish I would be able to see more faces. I don't know where everybody is. I mean, But um, I, I love the number, but I don't see anybody, except for a few. But uh, does anyone else have a problem when no one's showing their, when half the people are not showing their face on Zoom, or is it just me? Something, I don't know, it's like not there, it's a little bit. 
And that doesn't mean to say the, that, you, you know, that if you didn't, you don't have to so I appreciate you being here, but I want to see you. Um, should I turn off, maybe I should turn off my, my video. Mida Knegen Mida. Um, anyway, okay, now I see. Now that's a beautiful, uh, beautiful Chabura. So, it's a two-way street, by the way. I gave once a schmooze about, about the Hayu, about the, it's about, by the parasha with Moshe Rabbeinu, with the Masva, with, when he covers his face. So, my side was that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he taught Tyrech, as I'll say, he took off his mask. So, the Gemara says, because when you see, you're supposed to look at your Rabbi when he's giving a shear. But there's also, the Mepharshim say there's also another thing that a Rabbi is supposed to be able to see his Talmidim when he gives a shear. It's a two-way street. Moshe Rabbeinu took off the mask not just to be seen, but also to be able to see, because when you see a Talmud, you're able to to see how they're doing and, and look at their face and see if they're steiging or they're not, if they if they look like they're they're doing well or not. So that's all part of it. So and I, I'm not talking about the schmooze. I love that you're here and I and you can all shut off your screens, but if you want to. But it, just in general, I'm telling you, like for your other abeim or whatever, it's b'derek You have to obviously, if you're not feeling well or you know v'chule, you can keep it off. But I think in general, it's a nicer thing uh, to keep it on. In any event. Um, now I could see everything, it's geschmack. But there is a, um, no one, no one that I see on this screen, on these screens, is less than the boy that, that I'm talking about. And it's a, it's a frightening thing because, you know, we, we tell ourselves so many things that are not true. We tell ourselves that we're not, in general, forget about Tyra, in, in general, we're not, we're not worthy of being Yidden, we're not B'nai Tyre, we're Avaryanim, we have too much Yetzahara, too much Nachmir Seinayim, and we're, we get ourselves, we tell ourselves such foolish things. And, and we're our own worst enemy. With everything, we, we give ourselves Rifyan. No one else could, could, could make us more depressed than we can make ourselves if we really want to, and we do. But, and that's, that's ridiculous, you have to always... Give yourself chizuk because he, a lot of times we don't like when people give us chizuk. We don't believe it. He doesn't really know me. If he would know me, he would, you know, he wouldn't be talking to me at all. But we know ourselves. We know our own potential, and you should always give yourself chizuk. Always tell yourself you're amazing. Get up in the morning. Wow, it's an amazing day. I have so much to accomplish. I am on fire. I have a whole beautiful day. Go out like this morning. The weather is absolutely beautiful in New York here. Uh, today was the first shachris that I davened with a minion in, since Purim, I think. I don't know if anyone else is able to. I don't want to, uh, you know, make anyone feel bad. But we have a min- now they're allowing in New York at least to have these backyard minyanim. So I went down the block. A beautiful day in like a tent. I felt like I was in Dora Golding davening outside. Beautiful. It's a beautiful day. Give yourself chizuk. Find yourself something to look forward to. But the greatest thing that a person could look forward to, there's nothing I think we could, we could relate to, there's nothing more exciting in life than a blank notebook. You know, on the first day of school, when you go to, when you remember if you, maybe you still do it, or your ki- you know, kids do it, like they have a brand new loose leaf with a brand new pencil case with brand new sharp pencils and a pen and, a, and reinforcements, uh, you know, and a spiral notebook with the little tabs in the middle, there's nothing more exciting than that in the world. You know why? Because that is pure potential. 
it means that this is mine to fill up. With what? With my own tire, with my own creativity, with my own... With me. The tire that's inside of me, I want to... I want to... I want to... I want to produce, I want to be creative, I want to be mechadish, I want to, I want to know it really well. And the best way to know Tyra is by understanding that I have a chilek to it. I don't want to know something that, you know, the way, like the, in Hebrew, the word um, to be intimate with somebody is vayeda, vayeda adam eschava ishtay. Adam knew chava, what does it mean he knew? He, he, played, he did a questionnaire with her on a date, what does it mean he knew her? Rashi says that Vayeda it's intimacy. Now, why what's the shaykh between Das and, and intimacy? Because, because the greatest form of, of, of understanding is if I have a Kesher with you. If I if I'm not interested in, in knowing somebody, so then I, I have no I have no interest in uh, in in if I have no interest in relating to that person, I don't care to know about that person. But if you're if you're interested in relating, that you say, "Well, I want to be friendly with him." That means that I want to know everything about that person. And the same thing is true with Tyra. If I don't know, if I don't look at Tyra as something that is related to me that I want to relate to, I'm not interested in knowing it. I have no curiosity in game because it's not it's menasafal It doesn't matter to me. But if I understand that it's something that does relate to me because I have my own chelik in it. Then I want to know it. Das is going to come about once you feel that you have a Kesher with Tyra, then you can understand and be excited in the morning when you wake up to, to learn because it's, it's not somebody else's Tyra. It's not a chore. It's something that, it's a beautiful relationship. Forgot who it was, but there was a certain Gadol that said that I think it might have been Rebarach Bear, but I'm not sure. He, he would wake up in the morning and he'd say, I'm the, I'm the luckiest man in the world. He says, because I wake up in the morning and I have Reb Kivegir sitting on one side of me, I have a Rashba sitting on the other side of me, I have a Ramba on the other side of me. He looked at it like exciting, like it's, it's alive. And he was able to, to, to learn each one and understand how they interplay and, and try to figure out a Mahalach to bring things together and understand how to split them apart. But that's beauty because it's, it's me, it's a, it's a close Kesha that I have. If you're looking at Tyra as being boring and not relatable and it's not for me and I'm going to just put my time into things that are relevant to me, then, then you could do that. But you're, you're missing that, this Nakuda, that we each have our own lot in Tyra that nobody else in the world has. And that's Das. Das comes from understanding that I could be intimate with Tyra because I understand that there's something that there's something there between me and it. Now I'm going to say a story that you probably all you probably all uh, have been thinking about maybe since I started the shmuz, and at the risk of being uh, you know of, of saying the obvious story that I think all of us know or we should all know it. Um, but I have to say it, because it would be absolutely criminal for not to say it in the context of the Shmuz. So, the great Nitziv was the uh, Rosh Yeshiva Volazhin. Volazhin was the mothership, it was the flagship Yeshiva of Klal Yisrael. It was the Yeshiva which is called the Aviha Yeshivas, the father of all Yeshivas, or the mother of all Yeshivas. Because all the Yeshivas that we have, whether it's 
towels or or brisk or uh, or uh, or um, uh, you know the mirror or slabotka or cat. They all come one one way or another. They're all coming from the lodge. And I have a a poster in my sukkah that somebody did years ago, and it basically starts from the Vilna Gain, and it's like a tree. And it shows through the Lajan Yeshiva, which was sort of from the Talmidim of the Vilna, not sort of, it was the Talmidim of the Vilna Gain, how all the Yeshivas that we have nowadays, the Ashkenazic Yeshivas, all one way or another comes through this brand, this trunk of the Lajan. All the branches come from the Lajan. So the, the Rashiva, of course, was Rechaim Lajner. His son-in-law took over after him, and then his son-in-law was the Nitziv. And the Nitziv was the Rashiva that had a very turbulent time in its history. Ultimately, we know he had to close down the Yeshiva because of different reasons, which was itself very, very sad and tragic. But the Nitziv was a tremendous Mechadish. We have a lot of his farm. We have the Hamik Dover. Hamik Dover, every day after davening, the Nitziv gave a shir in Chumash. Can you imagine a, a, a big Rashiva every day giving a Chumash shir every day after davening? But he did that, and that was the form, that, that was the, the basis of the Hamik Dover. It was classic Sefer al which is like a running Chiddush commentary on all the Psukim in the Torah. Like, a, like one of the Rishayim, like he was like this, this he's not giving a commentary on Rashi, he's giving his own running commentary on Psukim the way he saw it. Then he had the Mrayme Sadan Shas, and he had uh, he had uh, there, there, a lot of a lot of sarim that he wrote. But when he wrote a sefer on the Sheiltis of Rachai Gain, one of the Gainim wrote a a sefer called Sheiltis, and he decided he was going to write a commentary on that. He named his commentary the Hamik Sheila, and it was a, a very very. Tifa commentary, if you ever look at it, it's massive, and it's, it's very thorough, and it's brilliant. When he finished writing the Sefer, he made a big Su'uda. He made a Siyam on this Sefer, and he invited a lot of people to, uh, to participate in the Siyam. And at this Siyam, he gets up, and he makes the following speech. He says, I invited you all to celebrate the Siyam because I'm giving Shevach and Hadar to the Rabbeinu Shalom for allowing me to be Messiah the Sefer. And it took me many years and a lot of editing and a lot of printing and a lot of expense and a lot of schwitz. But Baruch Hashem, we finally were able to bring this Sefer out to the, to the light of day. He says, but I'll tell you the real reason why this is such a simcha for me. When I was a young child, I was not into learning. I was not into learning. I liked doing this, I liked doing that, I liked... Uh... And one day I was listening to my parents talk in the other room. I just was doing my own thing. And in the other room my parents were talking and I overheard their conversation. And my father says to my mother that Naftali Tzvi Yehuda, that was the Nitziv's name, the Nitziv is, a, is an acronym, it's a Rashi Tevis of Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin. He says, my son, he says, our son, Naftali, he's not learning like I expected him to learn. I thought he'd have a geschmack in learning, he'd have a meal. He's spending all his time, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's not learning. And I don't know if at this rate he's going to really amount 
to anything big in learning, in terms of a career, in terms of chinuch. In you know nowadays, Baruch Hashem, we're we're living in times that everybody, no matter who they are, gets to at least learn through high school and then go to Eretz Yisrael and then base Medrash and beyond, no matter what your level is. And then you could start thinking about, you know, doing other things when you're, when you're in your early 20s. But then if you, it's, you know, fish or cup bait, are you learning or not? If you're not learning, then go to the store, you know, help the family out with some parnasla, learn a trade, make some omnis, and that's it. You know, there's no, there's no shtick. So then Tzib didn't realize that his father thought of him that way. His father, he thought, you know, I'm doing enough, I'm getting away with it, and, you know, I didn't know that he chapped, that I'm really not into it. And, of course, then Tzib was a good boy. He didn't, he didn't want to be a bad boy, but he didn't, and he wasn't, but his father looked at him like unworthy or, or undeservant of continuing in learning. And deep down inside, he wanted to be a Talmud Chacham. He just didn't have the, nobody ever gave him that extra push. So, They were discussing his parents, you know, what they should do. Maybe he'll learn a little bit in the morning, and then in the afternoons he's going to get a trade. He'll be a, a carpenter, he'll apprentice for somebody, and he'll learn how to build shtenders and how to build sarm shanks and dining room tables, and, and that's always useful to know. And, and you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be an erlachayid, he'll learn, he'll, he'll learn, know halacha, he'll know some chesh mishpat, he's not going to cheat anybody, he's going to be fine, but... He's not a Talmud Chacham. He's not slated. He's not. He, I don't see that in his in his in his trajectory. At this point, the Nitziv started crying. The young Nitziv, and he runs into his parents' room and says, "Tati, mommy, please, I promise you that from now on, I'm really going to dedicate my life to learn. I'm going to be miyageya." I'm going to have Amelos and Haravanya and all the good stuff that I know that I should be having. I'm going to do that. Please give me another chance. And they said, fine. And he sat and he started learning and steiging and like la'elo la'elo, like climbing, like day by day he became, the godless was just like exploding. And so finally he became Rashiva, then he wrote this, this Hamak Shela. And he says, the reason why I'm making this Siyam and I'm giving extra special Halavadaya is because of the story. He says, because what would have happened, imagine the scene, if I would not have overheard my parents talking about this, and I would not have had that kick in the pants, you know, to go and, and really start steiging and doing what I was supposed to. I would have become a carpenter, and I would have been Erlich a carpenter, and everything would have been, I would have gotten, you know, regular, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh, you know, but he was the Nitziv. He was the Nitziv. He says, I would have died, and Elachimeim Esrim had come up to Shemayim, and I think that, you know, I'd get a nice Elam Abba, because after all, this is something that I was Erlich, and I was honest, and I did it, and maybe I would get a, a nice Elam Abba, but the Rabbi Shalom is going to ask me, no, Naftali Tzvi Yehuda, where's your Hamik Shaila? He says, my, my what? What, do you, what, what, what did you just say? My harmonica? I, I didn't bring it with me. What's a, what's a Hamik Shaila? He says, uh, no, no, no. Hamik Shaila was the safer on the Shiltis. He says, what? Uh, on the what? You know, the Shiltis or Rechaigain? Uh, no, but just continue. He says, that was the safer that you were supposed to write. And I'm going to say, 
I didn't write any svarim. I, I might have a brochure somewhere to show you my shtenders and my and my and my svarim shranks and my and my dining room sets, but I, I never put out a safer. I, I I was just a carpenter. I was a regular guy. But then they would show me that no, no, you weren't a regular guy. You were the nitziv. You had tremendous godless inside of you that you never expressed. You never brought to the to, to potential to, to to reality. You had the potential, but you never actualized that potential. And at that point, there would be such bizyainus and shamayim lanetzachim that I didn't realize my potential. Now, I'm not saying that we're all, we should start getting neurotic, like, oh my God, what, what, you know, I got to start pumping out, you know, my, my chidushim on this and that. That's not the point over here. The Nitziv was the Nitziv when he was a child, and Nitziv was already brilliant beyond. And we can't compare ourselves, maybe, to the Nitziv, but at least on a very small level, I think that there's a lot to be gained from this story that's not supposed to be a depressing story. It's supposed to be an inspirational story because we have so much potential, each and every one of us, inside, and we're not all using it. If we're using it, then the schmooze is not for you. But if you're not using it, and I think we could all tap in deeper into the reservoirs of our minds, of our hearts, of our souls, to be able to find more, more time, more brain power, more creativity, more focus, more concentration... And that's, that, that, that's really why we're here. I'll never forget when I was a child, there was a, a television commercial. I know you don't know what television is, but there, there was a television commercial that, set, that was like this. I think it was for like Lowe's or one of these big, you know, uh, you know like a Home Depot type of store. And it showed, I don't know what the point of the, story, of the thing was, but it was like, Michael Jordan, but he was dressed in like a, he was wearing like a Home Depot or like an apron, you know, like they, they were in Home Depot. And, and he is like, you know, doing inventory in Home Depot. And, you know, they show, they show he like, uh, you know, the boss is like screaming at him, you know, he didn't put the nails in aisle 33 and whatever. And he's like a regular, but he's Michael Jordan. He's like the greatest basketball player of all time. And then, like, you see, he, like, crumbles up a piece of paper and he, like, throws it in from, like, you know, a hundred feet away. He swishes it into some basket. And the takeaway from that commercial, to me at least, was that there are so many people out there that didn't get the right break and therefore they never really fulfilled their potential. Michael Jordan was only Michael Jordan because... Maybe he had a, a friend that, you know, used to shoot hoops with him when he was in elementary school, or maybe his father saw a certain godless in him and made sure to, you know, to train him, send him to the right coaches, the right basketball camps. There are people that are musicians that, you know, they, they, they're only musicians because they happen to have had the mazel or the right hisiris to take up an instrument and they saw that they were good at it and then they were creative with their songs. But you know how many people there are, maybe some of us on the screen here, that we might have been, you know, a great musician or we might have been a great athlete or we might have been a great writer, but we never just, we never tapped into that potential. Ever think about that a little bit? Like, you know, some people it's clear that they don't, they don't, but then there's, you know, you ever like bump into the, oh, there's a guy in yeshiva, he has a beautiful voice and he davens for the Amit so beautifully and you always wonder like, 
you know, maybe if he would have gotten some, you know, voice lessons and really worked on building his voice, building it, maybe he could have been a Simcha liner, or he could have been a, a Shweki or something like that. But he just never took it to the next level. When I was a child, I was very artistic. I still am able to, you know, draw pretty well. But I was, I was pretty artistic when I was a child. And I, I went to, my parents sent me to art school, uh, you know, like a few days a week in Oceanside, which is like over the bridge from Long Beach. And there was older people. There was like a room full of people, uh, maybe uh, 30, 40 people. And most of them were not kids. I was like a little, I was not much four years, six, seven years old maybe. And the other people were all like 20, 30-year-olds. And we were all like had to paint different things and different things. And Mrs. Page, who was, she was an old lady then, and I kept in touch with her until she died a few years ago, um, she told my parents that my work was far superior than all the... And the, they were very good, the people there. If they were going for art lessons, that means they had a sheikhist to art. My work at five years old was better than all of the people in the room. But I didn't continue doing it. I, and I wish I could say it's because I got into learning. That's not the reason why. It was like, you know, it was like a pain to go to art school. Every, all my friends are playing ball, watching TV, doing cool stuff. I have to go to art school. You know, so you drop it. I'm not saying, you know, that I regret it, but you never know. You just don't know. You have innate talent inside of you, and you have to use it. Now, this is true for everything in life. You should always use the talents that the Rabbi Shalom gives you and try to use it, you know, but specifically in Tyra, we all have a talent in Tyra, whether you want to believe it or not. We all have a talent in Tyra. Some, some might be a big lamdan, and you have a very good legal mind, and you're able to split hairs and figure out and, and figure that all out in your head. That's a tremendous talent to have in the yeshiva world. There are people that don't have that talent necessarily, but they're very creative. Like you throw a, a pasuk at them with a, you know, with a, with a rashi, and they, all of a sudden their mind starts working, and they, they could theoretically come up with a really nice daher, a nice thought, a nice insight into it. There might be people that love Musr, and they, they like working on themselves, and they're mechadish in Musr, and they're mechadish in Avedis Hashem, and find different things to do. Some people love halacha. And they're very, very good at practical halacha. They love safras and they love, you know, understanding the how things actually work. And they 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 perfect the understanding of lulav and esrog. And they they know exactly how to how to make a mezuzah and where to put a mezuzah. And they they just have a thing for halacha. Some people like rishaynim in on chumash. Some people like achreinim in chumash. Some people like Jewish history, but. You all have a shaykhaz to something. There's something that you like about Daira. Focus in on that and try to make that yours. Not to the exclusion of everything else that I just said. We all are supposed to learn everything. But in terms of what your personal chaluk in Tyra is, find what you, what do you like. You like halacha? So be a bucky in something. I just saw a quote from Amesha Feins and he says, he says, no, not every, you can't, you can't wake up in the morning and claim to be an expert in a certain concept in halacha. I can't wake up and say, all right, I'm an expert in, in Hilcha Shrita. What do I know from Shrita? I don't, I don't know anything about Shrita. But you can wake up in the morning and decide that you want to get an expertise in halacha. That you could do. You just have to have curiosity, which is the 
most basic building block. That's the amino acid of becoming a Talmud Chacham, the most basic building block of becoming a Talmud You have to have a certain curiosity. If you, if you have the mindset, I couldn't care less about this. It doesn't, doesn't talk to me. I don't want to know halacha, I don't want to learn musa, I don't want to learn shas, I don't want to paiske, you know, that's not going to, it's not going to happen. And then you're going to just be pure misery. But if you have a certain curiosity about something, whatever it is, you always wondered about, like, you know, how does a, you know, how do you make a shayfer? What's the halachas of shayfer? I want to try to perfect the tkiyas or the, you know, whatever it is, kashras, I really, I, I want to know about the kitchen stuff. Milk drops into meat. You know, meat drops into milk, tisaw gavari, law gavari, like, how does that work? What's the physics of it? Try to get a, a certain shlita in it. Or you're learning a sugya in Shabbos, and you want to learn about irig, and you, you could be the world expert in irig. You could figure out what's a woof, and what's a warp, and what's a, you know, how to do it. Uh, you know, well, everyone else is just, like, rolling their eyes. You could be that guy that knows it. But you just have to have a curiosity. You have to, and once you have a curiosity, it's so easy. You find people that know a little more than you, and you talk it out with them. You find books about it. You take books out of the library if there's kaviachal, or you, or, you, um, or you go on the internet. You look at what a woof and a warp is, and you, you could become like the world's expert in this. And there are people that actually do this. There are people that gain expertise in Isr Vehater, in Hilchas Nida, in Hilchas uh, Shabbos, in Hilchas Yantiv, in Hilchas Bishel, in Hilchas uh, uh, Kiddush HaChaydish, whatever it is that you have a curiosity, you could be that. You could be a Lamdan, you could be a Baki and Shas, you could do whatever you want. Don't set your sights too low because it's a, a crying shame. And the more that you're able to have clarity in whatever it is that you decide you're good at or that you have a curiosity about, that is your chilek in Taira. Chidushe Taira, the Nitziv himself used to say, doesn't mean that you have to be brilliant and come up with chidushim and publish, you know, shtiklach Taira in, in the Yarchen or in, uh, you know, one of these Torah journals or, in, uh, or put out your own safe or your own countries. That's not what Chidushe Taira means. Chidushe Taira just means to clarify the Taira. You're learning a sugya. Most of us, we go through a sugya, we go through it very superficially. We don't really understand, we don't really get it. And then before you know it, you know, next day is Marimachimus, so let's go to the next sugya. You never get anything clear. You get it sort of clear, but then you never mastered it. The more you're able to clarify and, un- and, and, and reveal the beauty of Tyra, don't like settle for like, for mediocrity in Tyra. It's better to learn one thing and really know it clear and have a idea. Get an intimacy with one chilek in Taira, with one daf in Taira, one taisus in Taira. Better to do that than to learn shas and not know, not know a single word about it after it's over. Make a siyam shas, ra, ra, ra. What, what, what do you have from it? But if you learn one sugya and you know it, yeah, and you, you, you have it in your pocket, this is your sugya, or this is your mesechta and shas, and you really work hard and you know it and you're comfortable with it, you, you can be tested on it, and you chazer it again and again and again. Like I have a friend who, he has, he's a big Talmud Chacham, but he has his few pet mesechthas, he's, and he's a bucky nifl on them. Can't, I don't know if I could test them on Holsha, but you can, he has like, I think it's Shabbos, Saita, and Nadarim. I think for some reason, those are the three mesechthas. But he doesn't know it. He, he, He's married to them. He's been going over it since he was a bacher a thousand times probably, these three mesechtas. Big mesechta, hard mesechtas. But he has a, whatever, for whatever reason, he, he, 
he had an, a special relationship with those Masechta. Find a Masechta. It, it could be a small one. It could be Arias. It could be Tainus. It could be Shabbos. It could be Baba Basra. But the more that you're able to really gain a curiosity and a knowledge and an expertise in something, it'll be you. It's not the Tyra and you. You are the Tyra. You are the Tyra. Because you, in this world, you will, you will embody that chalik and Tyra. There are you know, people that are, they are known that they are the mezuzah expert. They are the tefillin expert. They are the, they are the shas expert. They are the, the, the musar expert. You want to do that. You want to be an expert. That's your chalik and Tyra. That's your chalik and Tyra. And you can all do that. You can all, you're choosing careers, right? You're going to be a doctor. What kind of doctor? Oh, I'm going to be a, you know, an oncologist. I'm going to be a, uh, you know, a pedi- uh, pediatrician. I'm going to be an uh, ophthalmologist. Okay, you're picking, a, you're picking a profession. You can't know everything, but you're picking a, spe- a specialty. Find the specialty that you have a certain interest in and make that yours. That's your chalik and Tyra. Before Shavuos, we're going marching to Mount Tyra right now. We have to think about these things now because on Shavuos itself, Shavuos is a very important day for a Ben Tyra. It's the day that I think the Shlach Hadish says it's the Yaim Haddin of Tyra. It's the day of judgment for how much learning we're going to have throughout the coming year. It's the day of judgment for the amount of time we're going to have to learn Tyra, the amount of Chidushim we're going to be able to produce this year. Major day of davening. Shavuos and Tommy Mamash have to daven and cry to the Rabbi that you'll succeed in Tyra. That's why we were here. We're put here to learn and to succeed in Tyra. But don't settle for mediocrity. Make plans now and see what do I want to do from this Shavuos to the next Shavuos. What is going to be accomplished in, the Shavuos, in this year from Shavuos to Shavuos? Find something. Think about it. You have a Shabbos now. Think about it. What do I want to do? Take a Masechta make it your own. Say I want to learn, I want to do Dirshu. I want to take Dirshu tests on Mishnah Bura or on, on a Masechta. Whatever it is, I'm not telling you what to do. You, you know as much as I do. Just figure out something that you love. I want to be Mavrisedra Chumash Rashi. I'm going to get myself a notebook and I'm going to try to write a lot of Chidushim or a lot of Ha'aris or Kashas or, or even find what other people say and what interests me. I'm going to write that down in my book and, and maybe someday I'll, I'll add to it. But this is a really beautiful Vard. It spoke to me. I want to write that down. I want to remember it. The more you write down, the more it becomes yours. The more you hazard something, the more it becomes yours. You want to own it. And you should own it because it's your chalik and tyra. Imagine if, let's say, you were a, you know, you were a, a beneficiary of an estate. Rachman al-Litzan, somebody's parent dies or grandparent dies, and they were worth a, a billion dollars. Okay? And you have siblings, and you're watching all the siblings divvy up the estate, and one is getting all the sports cars and the Rolls Royces, and the other one is getting the, the, all the real estate, and the other guy is getting all the cash and the stocks, and the other guy is getting all of the, the airplanes and whatever this guy had. And you're just sitting there, and you're like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let them have it. Would you do that? Would you say, it's fine, let them have it, I'll be Mavater. You're not going to be Mavater. You want your Chalik, you want your, your, your Yerusha. Taira Tzivalanu Meisha. My Tyra You have a stake in Tyra. You own a share of Tyra. 
What are you, you're, you're being mafkir, you're shared to other people? You're giving up on your, on your chalik entire? Chas v'shalom. But the only way you're going to get your chalik entire, you're not going to do it by lying on a couch and doing nothing. You have to go to a base medrash, or now go, go to a room and, and stick with it. Open a Gemara and learn. And, and, and on Shabbos, instead of doing other things, try to spend as much time as you can learning. And I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking to you. But this is what it takes to get your, to be Zeicha in your Chelek and Taira. There's only one way to do it, and that's Amelus. Now, Amelus sounds like a scary word, but it's not really that scary. It just means focus. It means shut off your, your phone and shut off your brain to other things out there and just make sure that you're really focused and concentrating like a laser on the page in front of you. That's all it means. A male doesn't mean you got to mamish, like jump off, you know, high high buildings and and struggle and do do somersaults in the base medish. It means you just have to you just have to really focus, be in the zone, concentrate, think, cover the the tarots and think of the think of your own tarots. Find your chelik and tyra, and then you'll you'll be one with the tyra. The chasna of shvuas between Klal Yisrael and the Rebbeinu Shalom through the tyra. We're all chasanim. We're all going to Mount Taira to be kinda, uh, to be kinda the kala, which is Taira. But you have to know the kala, vayeda. You have to understand. You have to be curious to find out more and more about the kala in order to be zeichen. And Rabbi Kivager had a famous, very uh, you know beautiful story that he was uh, he was called up as he was every year for chasan Taira on Simchas Taira. And he comes down, he's like depressed, and somebody says, why are you depressed? You look so sad. You should be happier, Chasen Taira. He says, yeah, he says, uh, it's, this is the 35th year that I was Chasen Taira, and I still don't know the Kala. If we're going to be Chasanim on Shavuos, you have to know the Kala a little bit. Rabbi Kivager absolutely did know the Kala. He was being modest, but do we know the Kala? And do we want to know the Kala? That's really where it starts. You have to want to know the Kala before you can know the Kala. If you want to know the Kala, then know the Kala. But you have to, know, you have to want to know the Kala. That's this last week before Shavuos, to figure out and to decide emphatically, I want to know the Kala. Once you want to know the Kala, then you can know the Kala. But you have to have the curiosity, the interest, make it personal, make it personal. This is my Tyre, it's my Kala, my Yerusha. I'm not going to be miyayish on it. I'm not going to be mafkarit. I'm not going to be mavater on it. This is mine. I want it. If you want it, you can have it. But you have to work on it. To spend the time, the concentration, build your skills, talk and learn and get a good chabura, get a good chavra together, give a chabura, listen to chaburas, talk and learn, listen to shirim, go to shirim, and it could be yours. It's yours for the asking. You just have to do it. This should be a wonderful Shavuos. As the world is opening up again day by day, our minds, our, our ambition, our creativity also has to open. We've been quarantined for a long time, and we suppressed a lot. When you're in quarantine, you're sort of very constricted. But now as you feel like already like the world opening up and our, 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 our horizons can open up with it day by day. And my bracha teaching every one of you is that you should be zeicha this year to find the kala, to find your chelik in Taira, to, have a, to see the beauty in Taira, to see the geshmak in Taira, to know the Taira, to understand the Taira, and to be mechadish tremendous things in Taira. And 
mitzvah Shem, this Shavuos should be a, we should be zeichet to go to Har Sinai, be makabal atayr ba'ava, with the Geshmak, with the Yegiya, with Harvanya, with Amelos, and with tremendous bracha and hatzlacha. And a mitzvah Shem, l'achrameh esrim, will be able to be zeichet to go up with Nekisei HaKavit and say, I did my shlichus, I found my chalik in Tyra, and here it is. Okay, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.